afternoon and welcome to Quotes from Quarantine, episode 10. This is our this is our our 10th episode. Our we should have a little anniversary. Yeah, party. like a celebration. We made it. We did make it. Are making it, of course. My name is Pastor Brian Zahasky, and I am lead pastor at Hope Covenant. And we are recording this from Studio 1A here at Hope Covenant Church. And joining me today, as always, is Rachel Lassen, Director of Worship and Youth. What up, fans? <laughs> all there, yeah, what up all five of you? And we have today joining with us special guest, uh, Mitchell Barnhart, who is actually becoming a somewhat regular on our podcast. He is joining us today. See, I have fans. The fans want me, so I'm, I had to return. Well, that's why we brought you on the show, so you could bring your fans with you yeah, onto our show. We're building a viewership. All two of them. All two of them. Ooh. We're up to seven. We got to go somewhere. Yes. <laughs> But this is what's going to put us over the top, though. Agreed. Because when I when I mention the name of our fourth guest today, then people are just going to start flocking in droves. We actually have to lock of the front door course. so that none of them get inside. Yeah. So joining us today for the first time is Misha Henry, who happens to be one of our our neighbors. Tis true. I, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, but you don't have to worry about it because you meet it just by being here. Like the 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 listenership, you know, is going to be pretty high this week. Oh, they're going to love is. it. It is. There's a lot of yeah. pressure. That's where the pressure is. Right. We should tell them who her husband is because yeah. he was also on a podcast, right? He was. Go ahead. Let me see if I can remember his first name. <laughs> Misha Henry. So his name is Coleman. What? And, and realize why that's harder because... I don't know why it's hard actually at this no, point. No, because their last name sounds like a first name. And so it's Coleman true. actually sounds more like a last name. It does. And so in your mind, Henry you have Coleman. to keep those two straight. It yes. happens all the time. In fact, right. after this podcast, the people listening will probably call us the Colemans because they'll have to think like doubly hard. Right. Yep. So they are the Henrys. Yes. Everyone. Okay. So, uh, you know, yesterday, today is Tuesday, and the sun is out somewhat, but is a lot not as good like that for English. Yeah, so strong. <laughs> Go Spartans. Uh, as Go Spartans. Um, <laughs> as it was, yesterday was gorgeous. So my quick question to start out today is, how did you spend your beautiful day outside? Mitchell, what did you do? Uh, this is going to disappoint several people. I slept in because I needed to sleep from doing Hope Live the night before or, or the day before. And then I did a lot of very necessary homework all in, day inside. inside. Yeah. And then I was outside and I had my window open at home and the sunset was pretty. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something. It's Misha, not, nice. not what I would have liked to have made of the day though. Misha, how did you spend your uh, sunny Monday? Uh, the majority of my day was spent outside with Lewis, who I'm pretty sure has more fans. So, oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, just watching him move some stuff around, moving rocks from one place to another, and exploring the backyard. It was, it was beautiful. And Rachel, you awesome. had a bit of an adventure yesterday while you were spending some oh, time yeah, outside. Right. right. I mean, I don't want to scare anyone with this story. <laughs> but no, yesterday was my day off. And since it was gorgeous, I was like, I'm going to spend as much time as possible. So I went for a long run in the morning and a bike ride um, in the afternoon. And the morning, I was literally petrified because I was running and this big Doberman dog who I had never seen before came bounding 
out of this garage towards me barking. Um, and I literally let out a scream that I have never let out in my life before. It was like a horror film. Um, turns out the dog was friendly. Um, <laughs> didn't know that until that plot twist was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out, but it literally, I mean, I'm not normally the one that's afraid of dogs since I have one that does sometimes bark at people. Um, but this was, I just wasn't expecting it. And so, um, yeah, I was falling asleep last night and I was actually like scared. Like I was just like, that was a really scary moment, but, um, it stopped when I told it to stop. So that was helpful. Yeah. Didn't you tell it? Didn't you like, like speak to it? Like yeah, speak like first, the word of the Lord kind of thing. To first it? of all, I screamed and then it was coming towards me and it feels like slow motion when that's happening, you know? So somehow I remembered like in the back of my mind, when a bear is going to attack you, what you should do. And it felt like that. So I stopped running. I faced it and I made myself as big as I possibly could. And I just screamed in the same way, but I won't do it here. No. And the Doberman halted and went back to its owner. And I asked its owner, I said, well, is he friendly? Like in case I come around again, she never answered. <laughs> so I actually don't know if it's friendly or not. Don't go around. again. I know. I, I don't think I will be going around again. That was. But you had so much exercise and out door time that yeah, you said was, you just crashed. I went to bed at like 8.30. That's a story to tell at some kind of ceremony. The Doberman story? Yeah, I'm, I'm telling that story. I'm, you? I'm keeping it for a sermon illustration. Yeah. For something. For I mean, which you've not let out, but you what can does, Right. So everyone, forget that you heard that, and if I say it again, well, but it's only surprised. four people the listening dog, to this, The dog so. is out of the bag on that one, so I don't know if oh, you're going to... Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, so that was, it was good, but scary. What'd you do, Brian? So our afternoon consisted of, even though it was about 55, 60 degrees by the time dinner was done, uh, Maria was so excited that she bought this slip and slide. I saw that. And uh, and she asked the kids, like, hey, do you want to go outside and use this or should we wait? They're like, no, let's do it, let's do it. So we <laughs> set up the slip and slide. They went down, they probably used it for like 30 minutes tops because they were lit, like their core temp was starting to drop. And Is that so a theme? It is a theme. The Haskies, it's really easy for us for our core temp to drop. But um, yeah, so you That's can totally so tell that our family has embraced Minnesotan culture, that it may only be 50 degrees still in April, but we're going to do water slides. I saw a pretty sick slow-mo video yeah. of Drew going down the slide. It See, was... the, the funny thing is that Drew went down once, and yet his the video uh, was the best. The um, other ones were like... I thought the, vi the the... The videography of the shot by Maria, the, the camera work was really well. Maria gets 100% credit for that. I need to ask her how to do that because I think I have the same phone as her, but I'm still learning how to turn off the volume. <laughs> so this is quotes from quarantine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> and our goal is to have fun together, uh, to encourage and to edify and talk about things that matter. And so, but we always like to start out with a game. And so today's game is, are you smarter than a fifth grader? No Jeff Foxworthy. No Jeff Foxworthy. Mm -hmm. Didn't and, they have a song? Uh, I sure. Like, are you smarter than a fish? You could sing literally any song and probably da, da, be right. Da, 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 or do you lose? <laughs> so, I don't know took if that a was in the bit show. of a dark turn. Yeah. So I got eleven questions, what? and uh, and these are questions that are legit in a fifth grade curriculum. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask uh, the question. The three of you are competing. And you're keeping track of your own points. And since you're not going to write these down, we'll just go one by one. So I'll ask the question, give you like five seconds to think, and then we'll go around real quick. We'll keep it tight. 
and uh, and we'll see. And we Are can, you, if we get it right, we get the point. You get it. Yeah, that's okay. yep. Cool. Typically, how things work that way. I meant like we can all get a point on the same question. You sure can. Okay, sweet. Yeah, it's not it's not a quick competition. My goal is to just copy every answer that Mitchell does. No, so, you gotta have. Oh, okay. You gotta have it in your head. <laughs> Honor system. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, here I'm we ready. go. So the first question, and th there's history, there's some science, there's some mathematics. Uh, so it's it's diversified. Little do the people know that Misha is a teacher. Correct. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Oh, I'm about to get my. I've She's about to give us a disclaimer. Up to third grade. Oh. I'm holding. I'm holding. Oh, never mind. This is going to be fine. <laughs> Only third grade. Okay. But I believe you were trained for fifth grade as well. And we, again, are inviting the people that are listening to play along with us. That's why I think makes this a little fun. So the region, here's the first question. The region known as the Fertile Crescent is located in present day where? Okay. I remember learning about this actually. Okay. And here's a hint. You don't have to come up with a specific country but you can actually speak to region. Just the region. I have my answer. Okay. Oh, it's not a state. <laughs> it could be. It could okay. be a state. It could be a state. It could be. A, depends, a on your, of, depends on your definition of state, but okay. it could be a state. Okay. So the region known as the Fertile Crescent is located in present day where? Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. We'll start with Rachel. There we go. South America. Okay. That's uh, your answer. Uh, Misha. <laughs> Egypt. Okay. I was going to hit the Middle East. Okay. The official designation would be the Middle East, but Egypt would definitely count in that. So there are two points that are awarded. <laughs> so that would be I about remember 4, learning about it, but I don't away, remember right? the answer. So. <laughs> so you measure the distance between your answer and the correct answer in thousands of miles. Just <laughs> so you know. Question okay. number two. In which decade did Hong Kong revert from British rule? Decade. You can get an extra point, so you can make up that point, Rachel, that you didn't get in the first round, if you can give me the actual the year. year. But all you need is the decade. The decade... Fifth graders know this? This is according to a website. It's on the internet, so I'm sure well, it's, it's on true. the internet. Yeah, that's... And <laughs> Say no more. That's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's in the Bible. That if it's on the internet, it's true. That's, Say no more. That's a joke. It is not in the Bible. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. We'll, we'll reverse it. Okay. Mitchell. I'm going to say 1978. Okay. I don't know. That's what I'm going to say. Well, you can <gasps> guess a decade. Just guess okay. a decade. Um, oh, oh. If, wait, wait. Repeat if, the question. Just oh real quick. I know. In I'm which decade did Hong Kong revert from British rule? So it was under British rule. In this decade, okay. it reverted back to its original... If it's in the 70s, do I still get the point, even though I said a specific year? You would get the... If, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, 40s. Okay. <laughs> 1965. Okay. The correct answer was officially 1997, but the oh 1990s would have been really a decade. Wow. Yeah. What? It is true. That was like. True. That was when we were born, Mitchell. That was, yeah. That was. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we'll go with okay. that. What year were you born? 95. So, okay. When yeah. were you born, Mitchell? 97? 98. Nice. 98. Wow. Okay. Uh, question number three. Keep track of your own points. Who is the creator of the classic characters Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn? Oh. I got mine. Okay. Don't let Mitchell go first. Okay, I know actually. Okay. Uh, Misha, do you want to start this one? I am not smarter than a fifth grader. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have a point. I don't have uh. one. Five, four, three, two, and one. I'm probably wrong. I'm going to kick myself. Rachel, what is it? 
I'm probably I'm gonna say something that's not correct at all, and I'm like, I know it. Oh um, goodness. I think it's Tom Sawyer. That's the character. (laughs) 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 I knew it was right. What is your guess, Mitchell? Do you you have a guess? No, (laughs) and I'm so upset about it. Yeah, my my answer is correct. Uh, It was born Samuel Clemens, but he went by the author title Mark Twain. That is the correct uh, yes. answer. I wouldn't One have ever point guessed. Goes, Homeschooling for the win, yeah. baby. Who's the creator of the classic character, Tom Sawyer? Tom Sawyer. That's who it is. <laughs> That's who made that. It's kind of a bootstrap paradox type of thing. I didn't remember thing. it was in the, was it seriously in the question? Yes. <laughs> so here's Whoops. a quick tip actually for how I, when I, I'm not super good, but whenever I do get points in these kind of games is listening to the question provides a huge <laughs> All question I heard was Huckleberry Finn. Question number four. Often seen at the end of a sentence, the trailing three dots indicate the omission from speech or writing of a word or words that are superfluous or able to be understood from contextual clues. So basically, what are the three dots that you put at the end of a sentence when you aren't completing it or there's an assumption of... What's coming next? Rachel types in these almost constantly. I love I these. I yes. My sermons <laughs> dot, dot, are filled. They with stress these. me out. Whenever someone texts me with the with the dot 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 after it, I'm always like, that's kind of ominous. Like, what is that? Where's so, it going? Misha, what is this? Ellipses. Ellipses. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I was gonna say anomaly. That, that was your answer? Anomaly? They sound similar. I knew it was something like that. It's like an L in there. They're both in English. Uh, I was also going to say ellipses. Elli- ellipses is the We literally answer. just talked about it today. Yeah, I called it an ellipses this morning. Like four times. I know. Okay. Okay. Shoot. It's tough. Uh, so these now, we're going to now move to geography. Uh, which country is Good. both an island and a continent? <gasps> okay. I know. Country and a continent. Rachel. Australia. 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 That is correct. Three points I'm on the board. that round. Good job. All right. Geography again. Uh, the mountain range that includes Mount Everest is called... So you think about the mountain range, a general region where these mountains are found. I know it. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I think I actually do. Five, four, three... Two, one. <laughs> Mitchell, do you want to guess? Do you have? I'll just say something for the humor of it. Great. I know this is wrong. Okay. Uh, the Appalachian Mountains. Speaking Good. of South America, right. Yeah, right? How about the Himalayan Mountains? Okay. I'm also going to say the Hill- Himalayans. That is correct. The Damn. Himalayans. The Himalayans. The tough part about playing Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader is as soon as you hear the answer, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was in my head. I just didn't. Just so everybody knows I have two points. All right. Moving to biology. Uh, what species can live in both water and land? Water and land. kind of generic. Okay. Uh, Misha. Amphibians? Okay. Oh, I was getting more specific. Turtles. I was going to say amphibians or frogs. Okay. Amphibians is the correct answer. Turtles are not amphibians. Those are species that can live in both water and land. Thank you. I'm kind of surprised. That's awesome. Okay. I'm kind of uh, how are we doing on points? Mitchell, how many points I got you got? Six. Six? Five. Five. I have a little less. Two. Two. Okay. You're still in to this the game? Le- the least of these. We're still Mitchell. back in uh, biology. Animals without backbones are known as what? Dang it. Mm. Five, four, three, Animals. two, 
one. Animals without backbones are known as what, Mitchell? I'm just going to have to sit here in silence. I don't know. Complete guess. Invertebrates? And snakes. Snakes. (laughs) (laughs) Invertebrates is the correct answer. Yes. Uh, Good job. You know, snakes have like, like a spine is like the only bone a snake has. Did you know oh that? really? So, those yeah. would be- so that's e- even wrong. You didn't know that, that. Is, that is incorrect. But w- what was the fact from Sunday with your dad and you? That oh, you- that like um, rattlesnakes can strike up to three times their body length. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know it. That's terrifying. Right. Which yeah, is funny though, is because when shoot. we did the recording on a Saturday, <laughs> Rachel did know that fact. Yep. Then Sunday right. when we're doing it live, yeah, John, she didn't know that fact. I was so just John- trying. To, I was trying. To, I successfully threw my dad off twice. Yeah, yeah. it was impressive because Pastor John goes, "Did you know that, Rachel?" Expecting you to go, "Yep," like you did on Saturday, and you're like, "Uh, no, I didn't." <laughs> and he, and like, he goes, "Really? That was maybe Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? Nope." We're moving to math. What do you mean? If a football field is 100 yards long, how many feet long is a football field? Okay. Misha. 300 feet. Mitchell. 300 feet. Shoot. I have to say what I was thinking. 33 feet. (laughs) I love your honesty, Rachel. (laughs) I do. Uh, It is 300 feet. Shoot. I divided. Yep. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. E for effort. Rachel. Thank you. All right. Um, we're actually going to move to a uh, yeah, United States politics, uh, government, U.S. government. U.S. government. I did take um, that class. What is the minimum age for a U.S. president? The minimum age. You have to be this old. Rachel, how old? 35. Okay. Misha? I was going to say 35. I'm pretty sure it's 40. 35 is the correct answer. You yes. have to be 35. Oh, that's rough. Okay. Uh, this is question 11. So this is the last one. Question. How are we doing? You got four. I got seven. Eight, eight seven. Okay. Three, actually. Sorry. Gonna go to tie. A squared Ooh. plus B squared equals C squared is known as what? Ah. No. Oh, um, no. Yep. I just have to go with the first thing that came to my head. I can't say um, yes. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I would say that I know this now because I'm working oh, with I know my this. son. I know as this. He's working through this, so I feel like I'm yes. becoming more and more. I got stuck in algebra. It's not in algebra. I got this. Okay. Do you want to start, Rachel? Not necessarily, but I think I'm the person that will have it wrong. So possibly. I know it starts with a P. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're but a real I don't know, of secrets, But beyond Brian. that, I don't know. Is it the pygathalon? <laughs> Method. Okay. Misha. <laughs> also, a little unclear on the pronunciation. Pythagorean theorem? Uh, my answer is also Pythagorean theorem. Pythagorean theorem is... Not, I think correct. we should... Let, not let's the Pythagorean method? The, 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 the Pythagorean method? I think right. that I'm going to listen to this podcast back just because I want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I just want to hear that. Because she made that but word I, up so But if it was multiple syllable. choice, I would have gotten it right. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, my favorite part was how you just made up each sound as you went. You were just like the Hey, I didn't know it started with a P. The Pythagorean? And then, and then the pause, like the five second pause and then... Method. Method. <laughs> so this is, are you smart, smarter than a fifth grader? We had a I tie. will allow you to self-evaluate whether you do believe you are smarter than a fifth grader, but you had. I had eight points. Eight points. Nine points. Nine. nine points. I'd like we, to point out that Misha's so literally Misha a teacher. Henry, who is a, up to <laughs> a third grade teacher. She's, I, I'm not even done with school yet. 
We knew my she brain was does not win. develop for another three years. She did At not. Least. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Okay, what is the? I'm not trying to defend myself here, but what is like? I heard that our generation we don't store information as much as we like. You are the actor that told me this. Yeah. We don't store information as much as we just know where we can access it. It's a different type of intelligence. Yep. It's the way our brains are being reshaped and rewired. And I would say, technology. my name is Rachel Lassen, and I have a rewired brain. <laughs> <laughs> rewired for the Mike Lord, drop. you know rewired, what I'm saying? Mic drop. <laughs> so that is Are You Smarter Than Fifth Grader? Thank you, Misha. Good Thank job, you, Misha. For that joining was, us you slayed, today. girl. Thank you. That was a lot you of guys fun. You slayed. Okay. All right. We're going to move on. Okay. Um, why don't we talk about some announcements? Yeah, let's do that. Let's announce. So, um, let's do two announcements, and then we'll move to confirmation, and then go and do two announcements. We'll, we'll, we'll an announcement sandwich. Okay, yes. nice. Uh, well, as many of you know, the first Sunday of every month is Communion Sunday. So we are going to have communion this upcoming Sunday. Um, we, we ran into a little bit of a roadblock. Yeah, so for Easter, what we did is we bought these mm -hmm. individually wrapped because we wanted to maintain as much sanitation as possible. Yes. And we started to kind of look through there. And what we found is the, the source that we purchased these last time, the whole business has shut down uh, for this season. Yes. And so we couldn't order them. And so what we're inviting people to do, and we're trying to get out the word as much ahead of time, is to either go to the grocery store or go to your pantry and find some bread or crackers to represent the body or the bread element of communion and some sort of juice for the, the you know, again, the, the blood element, the, the cup element of the, yeah, of communion. And what we'll do is uh, we'll try to give you as much indication in the service on Sunday, when to get it ready, how to prepare the elements, how to serve the elements. Mm -hmm. So we'll go through all of that, but just get in, put it in people's minds. You need to start thinking about this before we get to Sunday yep. so that you're getting these elements ready. Add it to the grocery list, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Um, but before that, we're really excited because this Thursday, we are going to have a virtual game night Yeah. hosted by the person that is also in this conversation, Pastor Brian. I can't wait. I love... So I've said this before in a yeah. couple of different settings. If I wasn't a pastor, um, I would love to be a game show host. This is your time. This is my time. Yeah. So. Um, and so we're going to do is it's going to have like a Jeopardy flavor to it. Oh, yeah. And we today going out in our daily emotions actually already went out. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a link there to sign up. So we're going to try to keep about 15 contestants this week. Uh, so the first 15 people that sign up, you guys are in seven o'clock on Thursday. Um, I'm going to share my screen or have a Jeopardy board. We're going to have, um, again, it's just going to be uh, kind of a fun night. Is there a prize for someone who wins? There is going to be a prize. Whoa. I don't cool. know what it is yet, but it's going to be good. Oh, nice. Okay, sweet. The only thing about that is you have to have access to Zoom Correct. to be able to compete. So, And when we say access, we simply mean like either it's on your phone or on your computer. Yep. And we're going to send the link. So you just have to have, basically you have to have internet access. Yep. Preferably... Actually, you will need, you'll need a video yep. element of it. Mm -hmm. So if you have a computer that has a camera, that's going to be really important because we're going to need to see you and hear you. Right. And if you have any questions about that, email myself or Brian and yep. we can kind of lay it down what you need. Yep. So good. Yeah. So what we're going to do is uh, we're actually, I modified our confirmation section as, are you smarter than a confirmation student? Um, but no, I mean, our students have been asking us really good questions. Mm -hmm. The question today, actually, we're going to do two questions because they're relatively short. 
one question came from one inquisitive student and their question was, um, why is the number seven such a prominent number in the Bible? Uh, could God have chosen any number? Why did he choose to make seven so special? That's a great question. It is. So there's an element of the question that we can sort of answer. And then there's an element of the question that is really kind of unanswerable, mm -hmm. at least to my knowledge. So on the one hand, the number seven does show up quite a bit in scripture. Its origin takes place in creation. Creation was done in seven days. God worked for six days. And then on that seventh day, he rested, modeling for us this rhythm of work and rest. But there are other occasions where seven shows up. Uh, the number seven itself actually symbolizes perfection, fullness, and completeness. In fact, one of my favorite stories in the gospel, John is at the wedding festival when uh, there are these six jars that are empty and it becomes this symbolicness of incompleteness. Six is now is kind of associated with incompleteness, which is why you have 666 as this number for, uh, for Satan. Oh, snap. Um, and uh, but what's interesting in that text is you have six jars that are incomplete, are not full. And yet Jesus comes in that text and he, he transfers the water into wine. Mm. That sense of completeness. So, uh, so six, yeah. So, so why did God choose seven? That's where the thing is a little bit trickier. Mm -hmm. uh, the same question could be asked, uh, why is the number 40 such a prevalent number? 40 years of wandering, of the flood, of, of wilderness camping. Jesus in the New Testament, he's in the wilderness and he's going through that testing experience. Why 40? What's significant mm -hmm. about that? I think the same thing is applied here. Trying to get inside the, the head or the mind of God, why he chose the number, that's where I think it's probably not nearly as clear. But I'd be open to people offering theories. I'd be curious. But again, mm. I think I just, I'm not sure there's good evidence why he chose specifically the number seven versus eight or 12 or whatever. Right. The second question that our students asked, or another student asked is, why did God choose Israel to be his representatives? Why did he choose mm. people to do his work or to use them to accomplish the task that he has set? Mm. Again, I think this is an interesting question. Uh, it's a question about a choice and efficiency. It's kind of embedded in this question. Another way to say is, wouldn't it make more sense if God didn't use people? <laughs> so there's a couple of things to chew on here. I think God chose people to be his representatives because at its core, it reminds us that we serve a God who is intensely personal. Mm -hmm. I think that if, if God didn't care about relationships or being in relationships, then he wouldn't have used people mm -hmm. to be that connection point to the world. The goal behind Israel as a chosen people is less about privilege and status, because that sometimes gets kind of gets people kind of wound up a little bit. It's like, well, why are they the chosen people? I mean, why are they so special? Does that mean that other people aren't special? The answer is not so much about privilege and status. It's more about living as an example of what it means or what it looks like to be people living according to the design that God has for life. Israel was meant to be a blessing to the other nations, a light on the hill. Uh, when people saw Israel, the reaction was supposed to be, oh, I, I can now catch a glimpse mm -hmm. of the way God works, the way God designed things and who he is and his character. 
And yet we know Israel didn't do really well at that. And what we see in the Old Testament is a story of a broken people failing to live into the design, but it's also a story of God's redemptive work rising above human failings. And what a good testimony that is for us, that if we didn't have that narrative, would we have understood the significance of why the Messiah needed to come and why there needed to be redemption? Again, that's because God is choosing to use and interact with people. There's something significant about that relationship. Again, I even think about Rachel. I think what even the, the sermon that you and your dad gave on Sunday, that phrase that Paul uses, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's the call of the church today. God chooses now to, to use the church as the embodiment of the gospel and ambassador of the good news. He chose the church, which is messy. Uh, it's broken. It's sideways half the time or yeah. even more than that. And yet this is the way that God designed things. Yeah, it is fascinating. I've, I've often thought, especially being in ministry, I was like, wow, it would be so much more efficient if God didn't use people, like mm -hmm. just in my brain. But the God of the universe chose to use people. And it's just so fascinating to me. I think it just points to God's character. And yeah, like as you say, he's a God of relationship and he values that. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I think it's astounding yeah. and just really unique that our God chooses to use people to bring his purposes about. So yeah. it's a sweet and, question. And it's, and it's also just a reminder to us that culture is watching the church. And, and while we mm -hmm. need to uh, live with authenticity mm -hmm. and we don't hide our brokenness, I mean, there's a reality that the brokenness is the reason why we need to embody the gospel. But it's a reminder that we need to continue to embody these values. Um, and that's how the church continues to be an effective. If, if we don't embody, if we don't demonstrate um, the functionality, the, the beauty and the, and the joy, I mean, if we don't, if we don't live that out or even just the, I'm, you know, this time I'm going to preach on the harmony that needs to take place within the church. If we don't articulate that, if we don't live that out, if we just become this fractured entity, then, then again, we're not offering culture a compelling narrative. Again, that's why it's so important for us to consider how we engage. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to announcements and then we'll close with, with, um, with a summary that we're doing for confirmation for this week. Uh, so let's talk about the future. Yes. The future has a lot of unknowns. Yes. And I find true. myself uh, watching news channels, reading articles. In fact, uh, Netflix actually just put out a really good, it's like a 25-minute kind of a documentary on the COVID-19 that just kind of explains some of the biology and the science. Hmm but also some of the strategy that scientists take towards addressing pandemics and epidemics mm. and how COVID-19 kind of ranks with other uh, pandemics of the past. And again, what is, the, what is our response? And the thing that I thought was really interesting, they talked about how difficult it is to produce vaccines. Mm. Yeah. And that, again, back in the day, you know, the Spanish flu and the Black Plague, I mean, it was, they called it herd immunization, which simply says 
you expose people to the disease or to the virus. And what you do by exposing them is it builds up that natural immunity. Mm -hmm. The more your body can, can, um, can recognize mm -hmm. the virus, the more it can do to fight it off. Mm -hmm. But the reality is when you go down that road, when, it, when you have that herd immunization or uh, mentality, is that your weaker elements, people with compromised immune systems, older folks, they become more vulnerable mm -hmm. and you lose more people. And, and I know most people that are listening to get this, mm -hmm. but that's why the whole shelter in place thing is how do you, how do you keep people um, protected as best you can until you have a vaccine? Yeah. All that is to say, I, that was maybe a little bit more tangential than I wanted it to be. All that is to say, there's going to be an increased sensitivity to how we gather together in the future, mm -hmm. specifically till we get a vaccine. But I even think that I even think American culture, culture period, I think is going to be drastically affected by this. Yeah. So businesses will start to open up in the next few weeks. But there's a legitimate question about kind of non quote unquote essential. And you can argue the essentiality mm -hmm. of those things of, of gatherings, people gathering and churches is one of those places. Mm -hmm. And so I, again, I, I think we said this before, I can't see a scenario where the doors are going to flung, uh, fly open and we're just going to go back to the way it was. And so we, while we don't know the answer, we've looked at a couple of options. We've looked at converting our parking lot into a sanctuary space for Sunday morning. Again, I, the more I read, the more I think that's probably not going to be the most likely scenario mm -hmm. just because you're still hurting people in a relatively small area, yep. even if it's outside. Yeah. Um, you know, I, again, I think that when churches will allow to be function to function and open their doors, I think there'll be pretty strict kind of um, quotas on how many people are going to be able to be. So let's say it's 50. So we're looking at, I mean, does that mean we're going to do uh, four Sunday services or most likely again, another scenario that we're looked at is promoting home churches mm -hmm. where you're gathering together on a Sunday morning and you're watching live stream and you're doing life together. Yeah. And I again, I think there's something even compelling about that. So I'm hopeful that there's some options. So Hope Covenant, we just want you to hear that we're still kind of working through this. And when the governor gives us some indication, we're going to, we have a number of scenarios that we're working through. We're looking at protocol for cleaning classrooms, understanding, you know, what kind of numbers we can allow in certain classroom spaces. It's why we're working so hard to kind of have a welcome area for children's ministry so that we can do a little bit better job kind of monitoring the flow of, of humans into those spaces. Yeah. Um, so we are working uh, through that. The last announcement, which is kind of connected to mm -hmm. this, is the reality that, that we're going to need volunteers in ways that we probably haven't used them before or haven't recruited before. We're going to have a need for, especially when I think about our youth and our children, we're going to have a need for more adults because we're going to have to kind of spread ourselves out more yep. to make sure that we're staying under certain numbers. Uh, or I think about like the welcome desk, those kind of things. We're going to need more people to be serving in the ministry to help us continue to thrive and move forward well. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really great opportunity for the church to, to really be the church. There was a select group of people that were asked to come this weekend to do some outdoor work. 
try to keep our numbers down. So we only had just a, I don't know, we had a handful, maybe 12 people that were mm-hmm. around the building. But it's those kind of things I think we need to do more. It's just kind of that sense of ownership of, of the space and investment in the ministry. So you're just hearing me now say this, but again, I think it's going to come more and more just how important Hope Covenant is, the people of Hope Covenant, yeah. to the functionality. We're going we're gonna to have great staff and we're going to align our staff well, but at the same time, our staff is going to need to make sure we empower and recruit mm-hmm. and train our people to do the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely, I think about, we have 40 to 50 um, teenagers that we label as ours because they've been involved in an activity. And, um, and, you know, one thing we're trying to do as a leader group leader team of leaders that are like five of us is reach out to each student every week. Um, and encourage them. And we're not doing it perfectly by any means, but um, we're creating a plan so that we can do that. But again, that's what the church is about. Um, And that is exactly like what Paul talks about when he says striving together. Mm -hmm. It's just so beautiful. I know Beth Moffat, who has been on before, she's writing letters to a bunch of our younger middle schoolers, um, and they've been writing her back. And it's just so sweet. Um, that she right there is using her God-given gifts to be the church, mm-hmm. um, to uplift and encourage one another and to serve one another in love. So I have just been moved and just blessed by seeing that. Um, and so there will be more and more opportunities to use the giftings that God has given you. Um, maybe writing letters to middle schoolers isn't your thing. Um that's good because we have lots of other jobs and ways to minister and be a part of the ministry of hope yeah. um, during this next season. Yeah. Things like hospitality. I yeah. mean, there's just going to be some really good opportunities. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of internal. I also really want us to continue to think about how is Hope Covenant being called to our neighborhood and to our community. Yes. Um, there's going to, it's going to be a restoration process. Uh, as we continue to kind of understand the effects of an economy that's mm-hmm. basically been in hibernation for a season, how do we continue to be the church? Right. And, and maybe it's also just about praying, like and continue to help us uh, pray with a discernful Holy Spirit uh, sensitivity to how we are mm-hmm. being called to yeah. move as a church. Yeah. And I think about it, we've already kind of moved in some of those ways and we've seen people from our church um, like initiate projects, like how Sharon Skateri is um, leading a group willing to sew masks. Yeah. Um, we've had tons of people deliver things that we can um, give to our nursing homes. And so um, just, it's been sweet to see and I'm excited to yeah. see it continue. So uh, we are looking through all these scenarios mm-hmm. and we'll have more in the, the days and the weeks ahead. All right. So the confirmation topic today is, is the book of Esther. So we're in the exile experience uh, of, the, of the Israelites. And, and so we're thinking about, we, we've been talking the last couple weeks about thriving in exile. Esther is, in essence, really uh, a great story that is uh, found in the context of exile or post-exilic uh, time period. It takes uh, place about a hundred years after Babylon took over uh, Judah, the southern kingdom. And uh, so the story is about Jews living outside of Israel. And these are Jews that for whatever reason didn't come back to Israel when it became an opportunity for them to do that. Mm-hmm. So they're thriving again in places outside of this natural 
kind of predefined, pre-chosen area for them. The thing that's interesting about the book of Esther is that God's name or God is not necessarily directly mentioned. The work of God is not directly um, kind of obvious on the surface of the story. And so the, the reader is left kind of listening for and looking for God's work, despite it's the fact that it's not necessarily obvious what it is. So Esther is a Jew, but she hides her Jewish identity. And it's kind of this weird kind of, again, we don't understand because it's not our culture. It's a beauty pageant that ultimately is this kind of contest to see who's going to become the next queen, the queen of Persia. And again, they don't know that Esther is a Jew. Esther is clearly, by all accounts, a very beautiful a young woman. And she just overwhelms the king. And he, she becomes uh, this queen now. Mordecai is kind of, we, we think it's an uncle, but it becomes kind of the pseudo-adopted dad, super protective of Esther. We hear these, we see these great stories where he's hanging out in the courtyard because he's kind of a, a helicopter dad, helicopter parent. And while he's hanging around the courtyard, because he wants to connect and communicate with his daughter, he hears, he overhears a plot to kill the king. And so he, uh, he communicates that, he gets it out there, he saves the king. And so Mordecai uh, kind of gains some credibility. But then we now have to deal with this other character, this evil character, which is Haman. And Haman is the king's number two guy. And he comes up with this decree that everyone should bow to the king. We see this in Daniel, like we see this kind of language, hey, you got to bow to this, this earthbound king. Mordecai, as a Jew, doesn't want to do that, won't do that, isn't willing to do it. And word gets to Haman, Haman is ticked. And so he convinces the king to write this edict to eliminate, annihilate all of the Jews that are living in that area. And so now we have this interesting narrative here. At this point, Esther's ethnic and religious identity is not revealed. It's hidden. So Mordecai convinces Esther, beautiful language, for such a time as this, that she's become a queen so that she could save the people. But it's risky. It's really risky because going before the king without a, with, with a request, without being invited, is a really risky move for her. Her life is actually on the line. After some encouragement from, from adopted dad Mordecai, she demonstrates bravery and she approaches the king. I called it a total dope move mm-hmm. and is able to bring light to, to the evil plans of Haman saves the Jewish people and ultimately brings about the downfall of Haman. And this ultimately then causes the rise of Mordecai to the number two position. So Esther is this beautiful story. I've summed it up. There's way more there. You should really read it. It's not a long read. It's a really interesting story, but there's a point behind it. Can God be part of the story without directly being in the story? Mm. In other words, can we expand our understanding and search for God in the middle of a mess and see him in working in ways that are more discreet and yet just as profound. So you could argue that the name Yahweh does not show up in the book of Esther, but his hand, his work is dripping all over the text. And it's this beautiful, like 
uh, this this language of God moving through these characters to save his people. So in the context of exile, where there's a sense that God has left the building, there's this beautiful reminder that he still is working. Mm. The question that it raises, do we have eyes to see? Are we willing to, to, to invite uh, uh, God to illuminate his movement? I think there's been many times in my own life, I think about even dealing with Drew's kind of health crisis, where in the moment it's like, oh God, where are you? And then when then you get on the backside of things and you say, oh, wait a minute. You remember when that person sat with us in the waiting room and spoke these words that I don't, at the time, didn't make sense to me, but now I hear him and think, oh, you were just laying the groundwork for us mm-hmm. to receive something from you. Um, I, I just think that there's, Esther is, has, a, has a real sense of kind of pragmatic, real life, knit and gritty, you know, in the mess of things, an imperfect story, and yet God's there and God's in the midst of it. I, I just think it's, I really appreciate it because sometimes, you know, there's a lot of text that kind of really speaks to kind of God's overt action, which I appreciate. But Esther is this reminder that God moves in just some some really mysterious ways. Yeah, it's relatable. It's relatable. Yeah, because a lot of us would in this season of life, we're not hearing maybe the audible voice of the Lord, which is super sweet. And it was tracked throughout, you know, the Bible. So I also think as you were talking, like just the person that sat with you in the waiting room, or if that was that situation, I was just thinking, yeah, that's a good reminder of us to be like, we didn't have people, when has God provided those moments? And when are we, you know, following Holy Spirit's leading to be that for other people, you know, and it kind of, I mean, it goes back to being the church. So I love to hear the stories when people say they've been prompted to do something and they had no idea why until they're in the moment or even after that moment. Yep. I mean, I think about it. I think about a time when I was on a canoe on a, on a Bonderwaters trip and this, this gal uh, flipped the canoe. I lost everything. I mean, I I had a camera with me, all Mm -hmm. that was gone and I was so frustrated, and yet I knew in that moment, and I found out later just what kind of an impact that had um, uh, on this young person that I, I was, you know, God used me to either speak a calming word or to get us back in the canoe and and to, um, you know, validate who she was and her gifting, like that whole sequence. Um, but in the moment, I was like, I, I don't know, you know. Right. And a lot of times I feel like even with teenagers, like it's like they will know things that I like forgot happened, yeah. you know. So. Yeah, yeah we call those yeah. lollipop moments, you know. Yeah, it, lollipop it, Yeah, in the moment, like, ah, this doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But in the end, yeah. it, God really uses it for big things. Yeah. So that is quotes from Quarantine. This is episode 10. And uh, again... Uh, we are just thrilled to be able to to do this. I hope that it is, uh, adds value to uh, to uh, what's going on in your life. Uh, we care for you immensely, and as a church, we're trying to continue to find ways to um, to be an embodiment of of the gospel and to be an encouragement to you, but also sending equipping agency as we continue to live out this vision to be hope for the life of the world. Coast in quarantine, episode ten, Pastor Brian. Rachel Lassen signing off. See you Sunday.